All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What the fucktopians? Sure, that's fine. Yeah, I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. I'm feel a little strung out. A lot of things happened today. I guess I can tell you. Tonight, uh, it's Sunday, so you're getting this Monday morning, but uh, tonight I'm playing with a band for the release of the uh, soundtrack of Marin, the TV show on uh, White Iris Records. So uh, I'm sitting in. I thought I was just going to jam on one or two songs, but I'm doing a full set with this band. So I've been rehearsing for two hours. And as soon as I put a guitar on, man, I mean, if I'm playing with people or in front of people, I am covered in sweat and uh, I enter some different state. You know, I don't do drugs, as many of you know that. I don't drink anymore. But as soon as I put a guitar on and play loud music with dudes, I am fucking out there. And I walked out of that room after two hours and I am just wasted. It felt great. But we gotta, we're going to perform tonight. And now I don't hope I don't fuck it up because I tend to choke on the guitar in front of people. But uh, I love it, man. It was a, it's a great experience. We're doing a bunch of Roots Rock shit and, you know, it's right up my alley. So I feel like I'm on top of it, but I didn't know I was going to actually be rehearsing and playing a big part in the band. I thought like, hey, Marin will sit, on, sit in on a couple and hopefully not fuck it up. But uh, it looks like I'm doing like six songs and I'm not singing, but I'm just playing. But these guys are real deal guys. And I'm like, whoa, they're talking meters and times. And when I come in and don't come in, I'm like, I, you know, we're just going to have to see what happens when it happens. I hope I can hold it together in terms of uh, when I'm supposed to come in or come out. And I hope there's enough noise to where I, you can't hear me fucking things up. And maybe it'll be fun. I'd like to think that it's going to be fun. Also, I think I hit a bottom with meanness. I, I don't know what it is. I, I do know that I have a bully in me. You know, obviously a sort of a wuss of a bully. A wuss, a, a, is that a woolly? A, you know, I'm not, I don't fight or hit people, but I, I can be kind of mean preemptively or I get sort of a charge out of it. And I, like I had this experience where, you know, I was tweeting out some mean shit, uh, intentionally just tweeting at my friends just mean shit just to engage and and then i realized after i did it i'm like oh what's going to come back at me like that weird horrible feeling of like what did i just unleash in the world why did i do that but i realized that that's sort of the juice of being mean that's sort of the the excitement of of being a bully is is that you know you're looking to get paid attention to uh, probably in a negative way and, you know, I'm not much of a fighter, even uh, you know, verbally, I'm no good at it anymore. And there's certainly every time that I uh, get into a Twitter fight with anybody, I get handed my ass and it feels very humbling, but very, you know, it makes me sad and hurts my feelings. But some part of me seeks that out and I've got to, you know, really assess what the hell that is. Why is negative attention just as good as positive attention, if not more compelling to me, uh, is, a, is a mystery to me. I guess no matter what, it's about you. If you know, if you're if you're being uh, fucking uh, you know attacked or people are reacting to your nastiness, it's still about you. But it's not the kind of thing that people are going to want to hang around. And I know it's all in good fun to a certain degree, busting balls and whatnot. But I really had this feeling when I put some meanness out into the world. I'm like, oh, I don't. I feel uncomfortable with what might come back at me. Like what you know, what if I what I don't want to reap shit. So why so shit? Huh? Is that a riff on the biblical idea? Speaking about biblical ideas, uh, I'm a Jew, and that's no mystery to any of you, certainly, to the point where it annoys some of you that uh, I, I kind of Jew it up sometimes. 
But uh, yeah, I'm not a religious guy. I don't have a God in my life, but I was, you know, in, you know, culturally, I'm Jewish. And uh, today I got Seth Rogen on and, and, uh, and, and Evan Goldberg. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of leaned into the Jew and I, I have to ask myself, why do I do that? What is that about? But before I do that, let's address what's happening. I'm going to be, I just wanted to say, I'm going to be at the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing some dates. I'm doing some reading dates. I will be uh, on Tuesday night, the 11th, I'll be in DC at the Six and I Temple. Shalom, more Jew stuff, but no, it's just a performance space, but it's also a temple, but I'll be doing a reading and some talking. On the 12th, I'll be in New York City at Barnes and Noble in Union Square doing that, reading and talking. On the 13th, I'll be at the Summer Reading Series in Bryant Park in New York City doing some reading, talking, reading and talking, moderated by Julie Klausner. On the 14th, I'll be at the Brattle Theater. Uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, which is, or no, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in Harvard Square, which is exciting for me because when I was in college, I actually saw Spalding Gray perform Swimming to Cambodia there, and that was a life-changing event for me. I'd never seen anybody like Spalding Gray. I'd never seen anybody so personal, so focused, so intense, so completely consumed with self, yet making it viable, yet finding meaning in it. Uh, you know, I, I really, uh, uh, it was an enlightening thing for me, and he was an amazing performer and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen his stuff, but just I couldn't I just couldn't even wrap my brain around it. He had a stack of a manuscript. He was plowing through it at an intensity I'd never experienced uh, in a performance before. He wasn't a comedian, but it was funny and personal and intense. Loved it. Love that guy. So I'm very excited to be taking that stage on Friday the 14th at the Brattle Theater uh, where I had such a, a kind of creatively life altering event. Jews. Shalom. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg uh, are in the uh, you know are are in the garage today. But here's the thing about being a Jew, and I, I don't know if I've explained it or, or whether you understand it uh, for you nine you non Jews because I'm not sure I understand it. But I do know that yeah, you know, I come from a small Jewish community in Albuquerque, New Mexico. My parents are displaced New Jersey Jews, East Coast Jews. But yeah, I went to Hebrew school starting in second, third grade. And for some reason, out of all the people I know in my life, I still know and feel very close to the guys I went to Hebrew school with, and I see them hardly at all. I just went to my buddy's 50th uh, birthday, a guy I went to Hebrew school with, who I don't see much, maybe once a year, if that, but I still feel this connection. And I have to assume it's a Jewish thing. So I'm not sure exactly how to explain it, even though we're not religious, there's this weird I know they call it Judah or whatever, but you grow up with some Jewish kids and for some reason there's a shorthand, there's a connection that you assume. I think there's also a slight elitism. There's a, there's a, a what do you call it, a, a Jewish exceptionalism that I don't really adhere to, though you sort of get plowed in your head. You know, you think, yeah, I remember when I was a kid how fascinating it was to just know how many, you know, creative people or show business people or artists. I, I like knowing who was Jewish because then you feel like, well, hey, a Jew did that. Maybe I can do that because I'm a Jew and you feel connected to them, whether it's Marth, whether it's Mark Rothko or Woody Allen or uh, Mel Brooks, wh- whoever your heroes are, you know, Baruch Spinoza. Uh, the, I mean, there, there's Jews everywhere. And, you know, I'm saying that in a positive way. But you sort of use those people as a barometer and you think that, well, you know, Jews are, are these special people. I mean, we're chosen in the Bible. Uh, we are the chosen people, so you think you're special. But you know that all aside, you know I fought from that. I fought, I fought that for many years of my life. I didn't want to be, be identified as Jewish. I didn't really talk about being Jewish on stage much because I didn't know how to do it. I mean, how do you how do you be Jewish on stage? Well, you gonna? I, I couldn't see how you did it other than do uh, you know Richard Lewis or or Jackie Mason. So I, I tried to avoid 
you know, being identified as a Jew on stage. And I think in my life to some degree for a period, but then eventually it consumes you. Eventually that if you're a Jew, no matter how much you fight it, you will be an old Jew. That's going to happen to you. There's no avoiding the old Jew if it's inside you. Every Jew is an old Jew waiting to get out. It's actually something you grow into. I think the old Jew is there when you're born and eventually, you know, you catch up with it. But when I had Seth and Evan in here, I know they're Canadian Jews. And I was sort of, uh, before I, 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 I got into the garage, I'm like, well, I wonder, you know, I, I know a few Canadian Jews. I wonder if that connection is there with them. You know, I wonder like, cause I saw Seth Rogen. I've seen him in movies. I see Jonah Hill in movies and I'm like, well, these are Jews, you know, Judd Apatow Jews. I, I mean, I went to Hebrew school with these guys or some facsimile or some, you know, uh, you know, identical person. That's not that guy. I, I went to Hebrew school with every Jew. Every American Jew there is, I went to Hebrew school with, I went to Hebrew school with in some form or another. You know, American sort of middle class conservative Jews, Eastern European mutts, you know, the descendants of Eastern European, uh, you know, shtetl Jews, Russia. I don't know too many uh, Sephardic Jews, but I know a few. But I, there's, a, there's just a thing. And I can't, I can't figure it out. And, and it, I'll tell you when the day my Jewish... Uh, uh, exceptionalism was shattered and I should have known this because I don't know why I didn't put it together but uh, when I worked at a deli in Boston I worked at the last Jewish deli in Boston Gordon's Deli out in Putter- Putterham Circle I think it was the, the called and and I didn't realize there were Boston Jews I thought Jews were only specific to New York and New Jersey and that's where they spread out from but there were Boston Jews and there was something about me working there. It was like I was in college even, and I still didn't put it together. I just, you know, my grandfather owned a hardware store, but for some part of, some part of my brain just never really put it together that, you know, there were Jewish plumbers or that there were Jewish uh, policemen or that there were Jewish uh, electricians. You know, I had this idea that Jews were, were only artists and mathematicians and, and special people. I had this, this idea, and then, uh, you know, someone pointed out to me when I worked at the deli, uh, the owner, Sheldon, he pointed out this guy. He's like, that's Benny. He's a contractor. I'm like, what do you mean? He, he builds things? And even that, I couldn't wrap my brain around. He goes, no, for the mob. And I'm like, what a Jewish gangster. And I knew that they were Jewish gangster, but we're seeing one. I was like, oh, my God, it, you know, they're, they're all over the place and they do regular things. And it, it was sort of, I don't know, but I was so glad that it was shattered for me. And then my buddy Charles did a bunch of paintings of Jewish boxers. There were Jewish boxers. And that made me feel proud. Whatever. Like, I, I don't have a God in my life. I'm not a religious person, but there's no way around the fact that I'm a Jew. And what I'm saying to you is that, you know, Jews know Jews on some level. You know, there are obnoxious Jews. There are Jews that come from a different class than me. There are Jews that, you know, I don't want to talk to. There are Jappy Jews. But whatever the fact, I think that most American Jews have a shorthand because they're Jews. You just look at them and you're like, Jew? Yeah, Jew. All right. So now we know where to start. And we've got a lot covered already. So I tried to enter this conversation with Seth and Evan like that, even though they were Canadian Jews. I wanted to test the water. So let's talk to uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Oh, yeah. Now we're locked in. Is that me? There you go. Nice. Where you, Did you find yours? I like mine. Mine's in a good place. Is it? You're in a good place in general? I think I'm in a good place in general right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. How much, are you, are you like Evan? I think I'm doing good. You're good, doing good? I'm not, I'm not sure yet. No, I think you sound good. Everybody <laughs> sounds great. I you think we're done nice. here. Good. Perfect. <laughs> it was easy. That was a nice day. Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg. I don't usually intro people right up front. 
No, you you you, you just kind of drift. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Suspense. I was waiting for that, and then remind myself later. Like, oh, I'm talking to. <laughs> well, I mean, what's the point? You know, it's a podcast. It's not like people are like, I just tuned in. Who the fuck is? <laughs> <laughs> you know? It says our names on the podcast. They Let's, know. Can we talk Jew talk? Let's talk Jew talk, man. <laughs> yeah, are you into Jew talk? Let's Jew it up. I'll Jew it up because. Uh, <laughs> Now, I think there's a familiarity. Do you guys feel familiar? Do you feel familiar? Do you feel familiar with me? Yeah. Yes. Right? Is it You're a thing? Jewish dude with glasses. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it comes down to that, doesn't it? It really does. Because you guys go way back, but you're Canadian Jews, which is a unique brand of Jew to me. Yeah. There's not a lot of there. There's it's a tight knit group Canadian Jews. But is there? Do you find that there's a difference between the Canadian Jew and the American Jew? The Canadian Jew is more self-deprecating. Is I that think possible? So. I think it is. I think as Canadians, yeah. You, but you even... seem more well-adjusted automatically. Right away, I feel that you're more well-adjusted. I don't feel the American anger. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little hungover from our party last night. I was, <laughs> I was wondering if you guys were going to be hungover. <laughs> we're, we're usually rageful, but yeah. <laughs> we're subdued today. A little bit. <laughs> subdued <laughs> Canadian <laughs> Jews. That's also what we are, yeah. Uh, how, how was that party last night? It was pretty fun. It was a great time. Yeah? Yeah, it was Craig Ross. Robinson uh, brought a lady who assembled her own stripper pole in one of the hotel rooms at the hotel we were at. And I've never seen that before. I've seen a lot of crazy shit at parties. Yeah. I've never seen like a woman unpack a case I, like that looked like an oboe case or something really? like that. And literally took out a stripper pole, like a giant pool cue, and assembled it That's in her the instrument. hotel room. It was unfucking believable She had physical prowess beyond what any human should. <laughs> and Craig just said... I brought her. <laughs> <laughs> and did he uh, musically accompany her in any way? No, but he had a he 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 went on the pole against her though. He, I thought he, I thought he was going to break it. He had a strip off. <laughs> what, but wait, does this pole does it like lock in? So yeah, yeah, it like yeah. locked in. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Wow. Actually. Yeah. It was. So okay, so the the movie This Is the End opened last night. My no, it did. the premiere was last night. The premiere was yeah, last night. It opens June twelfth. Did you do the red carpet business? And oh yeah, we did, did some all that waving. Shit. Did a lot of waving. It was my first real go down Glad the red handing. carpet. Was it really? I've yeah. done like little bits. I've never actually. You've only done gone the whole partially deal. down the way. Like, yeah. Yeah. The partial <laughs> version a few steps is down uh, the red carpet. I usually they don't skip. let him down the whole thing. I go to every sixth guy and I get bumped by anybody. <laughs> you got to earn priority. your way down that fucking carpet. And I finally earned it, and it wasn't fun. No, it's a nightmare. Why? Because you you there's so many flashes. You don't know who to look at. It just doesn't. Stop. They yeah. just ask you the same. Like, what was four. the question? So uh, was it was it like working with Franco? Yeah, was it like working with Franco? What would you bring with you if you had the apocalypse? <laughs> yeah. That's the number one. What would you bring? And it, our answer is always a gun, a gun. food, and our wives. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, that's not funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, my, my favorite <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes comic. Yeah. My first guitar and a yo-yo. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they think. Yeah, <laughs> and they all ask the same one thing. It's original. Like I got an angle on that. And they yeah. never Ooh. use any of it anyway. Like you never see any of that shit anyway. No, they're like, waiting for you to say something that you know you about Kim fucking say. Kardashian or yeah. something like that. Uh, that's ridiculous. all they care about they literally even, yeah was she there no but Good. they just like ask you uh, you they just try to like fit you into whatever their bullshit show is about yeah, that yeah. day which is yeah. usually some shit that has nothing to do with us, right like comedians yeah so yeah they never use our shit anyway how's it how'd the it. movie come out you like it yeah it's awesome i think I it think looks really funny it's, i think i think we didn't fuck up yeah, yeah i think it's super funny it played it, very well it did big yeah. laughs people liked it the comedian the snotty the snobby comedians in the room seem to really enjoy yeah, it. yeah which ones are those uh, just all of our friends in general are snobby comedians, <laughs> but and people have a high—they don't laugh. The fact that you can like hear people laughing, like it pl- premieres don't often play that well. And is this that one, true? It played very well at the premiere. Yeah, yeah, usually the premiere is one of the worst screenings we have. Yeah, for every movie we make. 
Why? Yeah. It's it, because it's not regular people. They're they're, they're yeah. agents. They're, they're not they come humans. there from business. They yeah. just they just got off work and they can't go home to see their kids. Yeah, they, they have, have to, to be there. A lot of them. Right. It's not even something they want to do. No, yeah. not at all. And some of them already saw parts of it, or they know you. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. don't want to offend you. Exactly. Yeah. But sometimes, every once in a while, it like people genuinely seem to dig it at the premiere, and that's that fucking great, man. Yeah, it was awesome. It felt very nice. And it, we, now, James Franco, you know, I had on my show in uh, in Austin. Austin, and and people made a big deal out of it. Yeah, yeah, because he was, uh, you know, he was. Uh, was he weird? He is weird. He's a little. I think you just got to get used to him. No, I knew that. Yeah. I knew exactly why he was being weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was hilarious because he, you know, he takes himself a little seriously sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, oh but see, see our movie, good sir. Yeah, and then sometimes he doesn't. Like he totally will make fun of all himself. That stuff. In, in our yeah. movie, he belittles everything he's ever done in his life, pretty much. Yeah, well, that's exactly. good. So yeah. it's he mocks his movies, he mocks his art, he mocks his self image. Oh, yes. good, man. His well, that sexuality. makes me happy. His yeah. sexuality, too? All that stuff. Everything. Oh, yeah. so he sucks a dick? We make um, a lot of jokes about it. <laughs> he doesn't literally, but yeah, a lot of references. <laughs> now, when you have all these guys, who is it? Jonah's in it, Craig Robinson, yeah. uh, Franco. Danny, Danny McBride. McBride's in Oh, yeah, he's yeah. one of the guys. Yeah. And who's the other guy? Jay Baruchel. So all these guys are playing themselves. Yeah. But you can't you you. There's an extension to that. I mean, you yeah. have to, you've got to see yourself as a character, right? Yeah, they're playing like warped versions. Of right, themselves. right, right. Yeah, like sick. They're all like. Comp- I mean, and, and it ranges from being like just microscopically terrible to like like Michael Sarah plays like a <laughs> coked out sexual deviant in the movie. So is it, is that was yeah. that his choice? No, we pitched that to him, and, <laughs> and he dug it. He loved it. It was nice. Actually. But he is Michael Sarah. You just <clears throat> said, why don't you just do it this way? Yeah. 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 And and he had the only thing he said the whole time. He came, showed yeah. up, was like, I'm ready to rock. I'll do yeah. all the things you want. Right. And when you see the movie, it's many despicable things. Yeah. Uh, and all he said is, I just want to wear this windbreaker I got on. And that's that's all he wanted. That was his only note as an actor. He, he said it was his character's like anchor and what would like yeah. guide him. And if you watch, he tugs on it and twists yeah, at he it loves the whole it. time. Yeah, because that's his, that was his uh, sort of his method work. That was it. his coked yeah. up guy needed the For windbreaker. For some reason, yeah, he pictured it that way. And all right, so let's go back to the writing of this. Now, I, yeah. I know you probably covered this before, but I'm I'm sort of uh, fascinated with the Hebrew school angle. Yeah, I, <laughs> I want to Jew it up a little bit. Let's Jew it up, man. Because I remember there are guys I've known since. Hebrew school like there there's some of the only relationships that I've actually maintained yeah. for 20 years did you go to summer camp either uh, yeah too? sure yeah. I went to day camp like Jewish summer camp Jewish day camp yeah. I didn't go to overnight Do you have friends too. from that also though still yeah, they were the same people. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I, I grew up in New Mexico in Albuquerque, so the Jewish community There's not was a lot pretty, of Jews. There. <laughs> exactly, There's a yeah. few families. Yeah, and uh, I just went to one of the guy's fiftieth birthday. Wow! But wh- what I'm saying is, I don't see them for years necessarily, but yeah. there's something about the bond. Am Definitely, I right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We just shipped uh, thirty of our buddies down here for the premiere. Yeah, exactly. The for, Jewish crew. The Jewish. The Jews from Canada. <laughs> Every other Jew in Canada. The Jewish population <laughs> in Canada dipped to zero. Yeah, we had. Yeah, we're still friends with all of them. I don't know what it is, but do you find that with just the regular people you went to high school? You know, the non-Jews No, it's mostly the Jewish ones. Isn't that weird? And Kyle. There's one non-Jewish and Kyle. guy. Yeah, and Kyle. It's true. There's still Kyle. Kyle, we yeah, do We still. always got Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. How did Kyle get in under the... Uh, I don't know how. I, th- I thought he was Jewish. Yeah, we all thought he was Jewish. <laughs> It's I just don't, I don't I don't really understand why that is. Don't I don't you? either. It's, it's totally it's, bizarre, and I don't even seek it. Like I, I I'm not like I I'm not pro. Is pro Semitic the opposite of anti Semitic? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not particularly pro Semitic. No, me neither. But, but I yeah, I guess there's it's a bond. A fam- there's a familiarity. It's because we're all from the same fucking little Russian villages. Our families I are guess all so. like well, actually one of my best friends. Uh, 
whose last name was Chudnovsky, is from a little village in Chudnov, Russia, that had like literally like a few hundred families in it. Yeah, yeah. And then I did a genealogy thing, and my family's literally from the same village. And we look like we're both like big, stout, hairy Jews. Yeah. And like you see, like we're clearly from the same village. And it must be there. And well, like, like, yeah. like a light gene thing where exactly. your mind's like, I know you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a weird fucking thing. It's like Cloud we're, Atlas. We're, conne- yeah. Yeah, we're connected. <laughs> we're connected. But if somehow. we go back, our grandparents yelled at each other. Exactly. Our great, 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 great grandfather. Yeah, they had fought an over issue. the price of a bagel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> someone fucked someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I always wonder about that too with the communities. I don't know. Well, you know, let's not get into the Orthodox. But I, um, <laughs> what kind of Jews were your folks? They were like pretty, uh, I guess, reconstructionist. Oh, really? Kind of the, uh, so singing? Was there singing? A lot of singing. Oh. They would do like try to do alternative. Things. Oh yeah, yeah. Our seder was always a little alternative. Right, I guess right. they were looking for like ways a to... lot of uh, sort of like I, I bought this embroidered yarmulke. Oh, in my Israel. dad wore like yeah, he wore like the Farrakhan yarmulke <laughs> for a while. He did. <laughs> he actually did. I think it was his way of grappling with baldness. Like coincidentally, <laughs> though, like the yeah. around the time he really started going bald is when yeah. he had like a spiritual resurgence of sorts. I've, I've yeah. never seen a non-bald picture of him. Yeah. No, I'd like to see that. There's one in our office, actually. A non-bald picture? Yeah. Really? And yeah. what about you? What kind of Jews do you come from? I come from standard kind of conservative. Oh, really? Just like... No pressure? But our families no. went to the same synagogue. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There weren't Beth Israel. Synagogue. We all yeah. went to Beth Israel. Uh, my synagogue was called Beth Israel. <laughs> yeah. In Albuquerque. They, they kind of run out of names pretty quick with I the did, synagogue yeah. name. <laughs> and when you guys were in Hebrew school together, I mean, were you... Uh, were you? I made Hebrew school teachers cry. We did too. Oh, I, did? I, I did that definitely. Yeah, that's so funny. Did, didn't you do that to Shira's mom? I yeah, I did. That's so funny. I've never met someone else who has that made their teachers cry. <laughs> I did. Two I did of them. too. A couple of them. Yeah, they hated me so what, much. What was the fucking problem? What, I don't know. What, I, they was, didn't like that. I like. Kept pushing back. Yeah, I would push back back. a lot. Yeah. And then they would cry. Yeah. Which was such a weird reaction, I thought. Crazy. So crazy, man. One of my friends, it's like he, a girl we're friends with, her mother was one of our teachers. And like she recently was like, you made me cry. (laughs) Really? I was like, yeah. Did she tell you why? I think she said like she got so frustrated, worked up that like, and like all like the normal teacher oh. stuff wasn't working what about spanish class in high school we oh, had yeah. a lot of teachers yeah cry. we drove our spanish teacher literally like the brink of insanity yeah we played like, kind of like mind games with them and would mess up the language on purpose and we would all synchronize how we would mess up the spanish oh yeah you got the whole class yeah <laughs> and they really it drove people crazy it was like the juvenile delinquent class but they all just so happened to take spanish and i yeah. think it was because we all failed out of french right <laughs> like you have to take french in canada so right. all the idiots end up in spanish right and you used to just like plot the entire class against her, against our teacher, and they were in the entire class. See, that's why. That's why that's we're why, comedians. That's why they hate us. Yes, and that's why we're problems. <laughs> exactly. Because they can't like if you have if you have a sense of humor, you're the natural leader of the situation. People will gravitate towards the funny person. My, they kicked speaking. me out of a private school. Really? Yeah. They said I had the wrong kind of leadership qualities. Wrong, <laughs> which means was, you actually have the right kind right, of leadership exactly. qualities. Well, I, I know I'm not Hitler. So. <laughs> you do have a mustache. <laughs> yeah. Not, not that one though. That's the first step. So when did you when did you guys first start doing shit together? In terms of uh, uh, making funny. I think we were like 13, honestly. Is that really we, true? We yeah. tried to make our own spoof 
of Star Wars. Yeah, we tried to do. It was almost like a spoof of Spaceballs. That was probably the first. His dad. Thing. His dad had all the toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah my yeah. dad had like a video camera. Yeah, and, and so uh, yeah, so we, we started we like trying it. to make like a like videos. We started making like little funny movies. And well, I mean, Seth, not that funny. Seth was the director, and I was the star of all of them. Yeah, that's what was funny. I didn't act in them. He did. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't stop action stuff. You would just you no, would no. Have... It's the most humiliating, embarrassing so shit in the whole world. But then you I'm, have it still. We uh, do. His mom, his mom has it. Yeah, my mom does. Hold really? me hostage. Yeah, she does. It's on a Betamax or a VHS? It's on a VHS. Oh, so I hope yeah. the tape's worn out by now. I don't think it is. I'm sure. We did a Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, we were very Tarantino inspired. So oh, we really? tried to do like a Quentin, like Pulp Fiction came out around then like, yeah. when we were like 12 years right, old. Right, right. And we were really into that movie. We only got like two minutes into it. Yeah, so we, yeah. We that, well, because we started writing super bad. Like we, we, we stopped, we started making like a second stupid movie that was like a Reservoir Dogs how long are these riff. movies? Like eight minutes long, oh, okay. ten minutes long or something Short like that. Film. Yes, yeah. exactly. Short form, I believe it was would be known as if we were nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, we started doing like a Tarantino one. And then around then I started doing stand up comedy kind of like just around that time, kind of on my own from Evan. When you were fourteen? Yeah, when I was thirteen or fourteen. Real stand up comedy? Real stand up comedy. What man. does that mean? Means I would go to nightclubs and do like sets. Was that your shtick? He's dad's the kid. Uh, <laughs> it really. You know what's funny is yeah. at first I was like so afraid of that that I told no jokes about being young. You just and talked I, about being divorced. No, I know. I and I did like very situational <laughs> stuff. Like it was like Seinfeldy stuff. Right, like right. what's the deal with this shit? And it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like hysterical. And you were a tall kid, so yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. I didn't look like that. I looked like a teenager, right? You know? Right. And then one of the comics I remember is like Daryl Lennox. I don't even know if he's. I remember Daryl Lennox. Yeah, he's, he's been great, on the show, and he was great. And he would do comedy there, and he was a very big supporter of mine, and was super friendly to me, and would invite me to open for him sometimes when he would do shows. He's a good guy, such a good guy. Yeah, and he was actually the one who told me like. You have to write jokes about you. Like, you're not writing jokes about yourself. Like, you're afraid. Like, Your life experience. Yeah, well, he's like, you're the only fucking 14-year-old kid doing stand-up comedy. Like, he's like, you have so much shit to talk about that we can't talk about. Like, right, right. you're just getting girls to, like, touch your dick for the first time. You're just, like, trying to grab tits for the first time. Like, yeah. he's like, that's interesting, you know? And I think... It was around then that we started writing Superbad, which was literally about uh, all that stuff, which was like all the stuff that we were going through and at you that didn't, time. But you didn't do comedy. No, no, no. I was just a kid who wanted to be a writer ever since I was a, a wee one. Really? And so when he started doing stand-up, and then we first discussed trying to write a movie, I was like, I want to be a writer. I hadn't chosen what I wanted to write. I right. just wanted to write. But did you he ever- suggested movie. I said, sure. Did you never hammered out bits together that you did on stage or anything like that? No, but like some of the bits in Superbad, I would kind of try out on stage sometimes. Like, like what? Like, I don't even know if it's in the movie ultimately, but there was a joke about like- like actually realizing how noticeable it is when you like go look down I, at a girl's is, tits right? by like and I, it was a joke about like like in the scene in Superbad was like one guy's like watch my eyes and he like looks at he's like you see that I was like I do see that and it was like them realizing like whoa you can fucking see that like that's crazy I thought it was undetectable and and I did like a stand up version of that joke kind of and it played really well and and actually it was I think encouraging because like it showed us that like the ideas we were talking about like got big laughs from people you right. know so. i was just thinking about that the other day actually yeah it's as crazy a, as a grown man because <laughs> <laughs> i do it constantly oh 
all the fucking time. It's ridiculous. It's disgusting how and often it, I do yeah, it. And it's like, literally disgusting. Yeah, and it literally, you're just sitting there looking at somebody like, uh-huh. Yeah. And, and you, what do you And you thinking? know every time I do it, I'm just like, oh, she just totally saw me fucking do that. I, There's I'm no never, way. I really <laughs> still think I get away with it somehow. The weird thing is how much I do it with my wife. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. It's a hell that we've only been married for nine months, so. We've been together for almost a decade, though. So yeah, I've, I've been with her for eight years, but yeah. still, I'll find her saying something and literally it'll go like, walla, walla, walla. Yeah. And I'll just be like, pardon, what? Yeah. That's, That's great good, that you though. still have uh, that kind of uh, interest in That's her true. kids. She, she just has a wonderful chest. Yeah. For 12 years? You were with her 12 years? No, no, no. I've been with her for seven years. And, yep. you just, and you've been married nine months? Oh man, that's a that she must have been getting impatient. Oh yeah, she almost murdered me. Yeah, <laughs> I I blew it. I was a year behind the. Me the too. I did curve. the exact same. thing. You waited that long too? Well, he yeah. he proposed before me, so it was just like, uh oh. But we time. were together longer, so it was like a little. Bit you and me, or you and Lauren? Exactly, me and Lauren. <laughs> they get a little. Uh, it gets a little crazy. Oh, she like. Yeah, and she like had the conversation where she's like, "It's been too long. Like, what's happening?" And as soon as you have that conversation, you're like, "It's too late. We're having the conversation. Right, like, I didn't right. want to have this conversation. I hoped yeah. it would it wouldn't come to this." And then I did it pretty soon after. We Do you know why you waited? I don't know. Probably it's, it's just, like bullshit, it's, it's rebellious. Just a, it's like, just a man uh, thing. It's you. You delay doing the final lockdown. Kind of, but you sort of like over some. I don't know yeah. if it's comics because I I had this issue too where you're yeah. like, hey, but we're okay now. We're yeah, okay. we what love you, it. Yeah. Why do you got to make it crazy? Yeah, why? Why we got <laughs> to put labels yeah. on this shit, man? <laughs> just all relax about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a lot of work. You yeah, know, things happen. Then you know we can't leave easily. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. And now I love being married. Like I like I, I look back and I'm like, why the fuck? I could have yeah. had more married years. I would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she was yeah. like, I want to put a low jack on you, I would have been like, sure. Yeah. yeah. And moving in with, like, we moved in together pretty fast and we, like, got a house together pretty fast. So, like, like that was, like, way more of a commitment than marrying someone yeah, in absolutely. a lot of ways. And I was, like, totally fine doing that. I, like, no resistance about doing it's that. A, I guess which it's is so a, fucking weird. I maintained my own apartment to the last minute. It's uh, true. They the just moved minute. in together, which was That's probably amazing. actually uh, makes it more challenging and exciting. Uh, we get along pretty well. I just have like a few cleanliness rules and she abides by them. And that's all I care about. I just don't like crumbs and shit on the table. That's just, it. You have, yours is a crumb issue? Yeah. She can throw shit anywhere. She so can you don't do mind anything. mounds of clothing? Yeah. That's okay. Big mounds of clothing. Crumbs bad. I, I don't love mounds of clothing. What What other, what's... Yeah, my wife's just a little disorganized in general. <laughs> yeah? yeah? Yeah. I got that going on. Yeah, right? and we, it's probably, we, we, we yeah, we, we don't, I wouldn't say we fight about it a lot, but it's a bone of contention. I can't imagine that. I have the exact opposite. Really? I'm a, I'm a little tornado, a mess, and she's totally organized and has everything under control. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a clean freak, but I prefer a pile over a mound. Me too, just put in a little pile. <laughs> well, I you, totally you, organize it. You can be messy, just make it look kind yeah, of nice. Like, yeah. Just put a little effort into the yeah, mess. Yeah. Over here, these books, they're piles. It's true. That's just, a mess. Yeah. Well, I, symmetrical. I've been allocated where the pile has to be. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I good. accept, as long as I get my pile. Well, the problem with, with messy is that, like, you know, anytime you address that kind of situation with a woman, it's so close to dad talk oh, that yeah. there's no way it's going to go over well. It's exactly right. It's right? like you're tapping into a very right. bad you're thing. You're like, yeah. hey, do you think we can get this cleaned up? Yeah. And like, and then their natural reaction is like, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. It's totally true. Ugh. I've never gotten into <laughs> more trouble totally than when true. I say she's she's not that good a driver. Oh, no. I, <laughs> That's the dad talk. If, if you say they're not good at driving, it's just over. <laughs> it's like it. instantaneous. Like, what the fuck do you mean I'm not good at driving? You're the fucking worst driver in the world right the, you don't know how to fucking drive that's right that's what i she's on me all the time with the fucking driving and i i'm terrified when she's driving she tailgates she 
goes too fast. By I, I feel the same way. My wife has road rage. Yeah, she, she thinks I'm terrible, but yeah. I think she actually she got better. Actually, she what, got, what, what does she pick on you about? I have a problem with stopping. I don't do it very. Uh, I don't <laughs> quite stop. Well, I, I am a shitty driver. Oh. <laughs> Evan is a little bit of an absent-minded driver. Yeah, I'm not the best. <laughs> what time? When do you get to drive in Canada? How old? Uh, how old is it? Sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. I was 15, I was fifteen in Albuquerque. Wow. Young. I, that's what I related to in Superbad was that whole that liquor buying thing. Yeah. We used to get people to buy liquor for us. We yeah, called we them boots. Boots. You'd call it getting boots. Yeah. That's what you call them? Did you call them that in the movie? No. No. That's we, a Canadian thing. We had to yeah. rewrite the whole movie for America. Yeah, we wrote literally, it to take place in Canada. Yeah, when we first wrote it in high school, we didn't realize that like you can't write a movie that takes place in Canada and have it be released in America <laughs> in a major way. And so there was all these references. The drinking age is 19 in Canada. And the so. liquor stores are huge government liquor stores. So yeah, they're, they're much like more giant, intimidating. They're all like BevMo. Like yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, all yeah. look like that. So right. it's like, it was a whole different thing. And like, to like learn the culture of like oh people buy liquor from these little stores yeah, here yeah. and like mom and pop shop yeah exactly I didn't we didn't get that at but all but you still <laughs> had the dudes that would buy for you oh yeah totally my uh, yeah we Evan had a fake ID pretty early on I did that was yeah. pretty good someone yeah. literally found one on the ground and it was just the guy looked identical to me if you looked on the back except he was like half a foot taller different eye color in the picture like his head oh was yeah like... and I would I would do this I would go in with like, <laughs> like tilted the... back so that they couldn't differentiate <laughs> yeah. the and it said he was twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. I used your cousin as a fake ID for a long time. Robert Scholl. Robert Scholl. Yeah, sixteen <laughs> Prescott Crescent. I can't, That's his address. <laughs> First date? Uh, I can't remember that. February twelfth or something like that. <laughs> Does he still live there? Uh, no, no. He <laughs> but it's so weird because I always think about those guys that bought us wicker. I mean, we were fifteen. Hanging out in front. I wouldn't fucking buy a kid. I wouldn't either, man. I think about that too. And it's I, especially an asshole. I've, I've yeah. done it once. I was in Montreal with our buddy Fogel. Yeah. These kids asked us to buy them some liquor. I said, sure. What, what do you guys want? And yeah. they were like, oh, God, they weren't ready for that. <laughs> and one of them just went, a, a bottle of Drambuie. A bottle a of drip. <laughs> oh, I bought him the bottle. Like, what did he see that in his parents' house? I guess disgusting. I just couldn't help picturing those kids at night. What that? <laughs> a bottle of drip. That's that Scotch really. liqueur, right? Yeah. It's like liqueur. It's yeah, Scotch it's like, flavor. It's like, it's like uh, one of those. We weird... drank that a bunch. Fogel's mother had that. Yeah, he she, had, she a, had, she had, had a, a ton of that. And she didn't drink. Booey. Yeah, I bought kids uh, rolling. Some kids asked me to buy them rolling papers uh, yeah. once, and that I did. Children can't buy rolling papers? I think I told. I was like, you know you could buy these. <laughs> like, they'll sell them to you. I think they were just scared to do it. <laughs> I get that. So uh, so did you have any real, did you really ever, was there a point, there must have been a point where you're like, there's no fucking way Superbad is going to get made. Well, I mean, how, that, how about, the, the life of that idea and that script is kind of, Amazing. We but thought... in in Vancouver, they made like they filmed the movies at our high school. They always filmed movies around town in Vancouver. Americans, yeah, yeah, and Canadians. Some Canadians, <laughs> but, but we... it was cheaper to film up there. Yeah, but it just it put it in our heads that like Let's you do can it do it. Like, and we yeah. we like short movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The internet. Yeah, we thought like maybe we can make our own version. But literally, like right. ourselves, we thought like I was right. a lifeguard. He was a stand up, and we always talked about how we'd save up money, get our own camera. Go shoot right. it with our friends. Oh, right. So we always thought we'd make it. We just never thought we'd like. Yeah, and it was make kind it of like we made it. like we liked like Wes Anderson's movies. Like there were like really low budget little movies that right. like we were big fans of. So right. like there was like a version. Yeah, there's a version where like we could find some way to do it. Yeah, basically, we just yeah. watched, uh, and we genuinely can't remember the movie. We wish we could. We were watching some movie one day before we started writing Super Bad, and we said this looks like a this is a total piece of shit. And 
even though we're kids, I yeah. genuinely think we could do better than whoever this was. <laughs> so we, we went upstairs and gave it a stab, and we, our first scene's the worst, one of the worst written things I've ever seen. But some of the jokes in the fucking original draft of Superbad that we literally wrote when we were 13 years old are in the, the movie still and are some of like the funnier jokes in the movie, which is incredibly disconcerting in a lot of ways. It? it kind of is. I'm like, shit, we didn't get that much better in all this time. No, but the emotions <laughs> of the movie were that age. It yeah, was, definitely. Give or take a couple I, of years. It's true. I think like it really, no, a lot of it was like, we were even old, uh, younger than the characters were when right. we first started writing it. So like it really tapped in into like a very visceral sense that like we were never going to get laid. Right. And like it was just never going to fucking happen. <laughs> like that was like, all we talked about, all we thought about, like, it was just like, and it seemed like it was impossible. Was there a lot of yeah. talk about jerking off in your Jewish community? Tons. Yeah. 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 I, I don't find that with, like, I, that was no. the one bonding thing with Jewish kids. Yeah. People are shocked at how yeah. much we talk about jerking I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know this was a Jew thing. I didn't either. It is, I guess. You no, know what? I, you know what? Kyle never mentions jerking off. It's true. <laughs> it's true, right? Kyle's, yeah. Kyle's tight-lipped. Yeah, were you guys and your friends really open about it? Yeah, well, yeah, the Jews yeah, were. Yeah. Would because... you say, like, I'm going to go jerk off now? Yes, yeah, we it could happen. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I remember there was some sleepover at the synagogue once, and and everybody decided there was a, I don't know if it was called rom-pom, or I don't remember what it was, but everybody was going to jerk off at the same time, but we all knew we weren't, oh, except God. we didn't tell the one kid. Oh, God. Oh! <laughs> so, so in the middle of the sleepover, we're like, all right, Go. And then someone flipped the light on. It was just this one kid, oh, Gary. No, oh no, Gary that, was just jerking is, off oh, by himself. Gary, Gary, Gary's probably very successful because yeah. of that experience. <laughs> <laughs> or in big trouble. Gary's worked hard to yeah. fight against that. Gary's somewhere <laughs> jerking off right now. <laughs> Gary's okay. He can only come in large groups of people yeah. in a synagogue now. Is the problem <laughs> that, that old fetish? Exactly. A very specific fetish. It's a very weird. Now flip the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> but there was now laugh at me. Yeah. All of you laugh All at of me. you laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just a weird thing. I mean, you know, it was just something that you talked about. I don't know what the hell it is. Maybe, maybe I'm being too. Uh to uh, a Jewish elitist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty yeah. Jewish elitist. Yeah, Jewish exceptional. We truly are the chosen people. Yeah, we can talk freely about masturbating. Only us talk freely about masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> the Goyim hate masturbation. <laughs> they do. They will hide it no matter to their death. <laughs> They're shameful of Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think it was part of the comedic cultural dialogue. I mean, with Woody Allen. and I mean, you know. I think just... so, too. And but, I do think inherently it is like a bigger sin to jerk off when you're Christian. Like I think maybe like, there's oh, like some right. mention of it. I, like you get no mention that jerking off is bad. No, no. no. All it says is it's. I don't know why I remember this from Hebrew school. It says you're not supposed to spill your seed on the ground. Interpret yeah. it as you will. So a washcloth is fine. That shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. If washcloth, a sock. Yeah. Just, <laughs> if, it, if it hits the ground, you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> then you're in trouble with God. Exactly. But if it's carpet, you're good. Oh yeah. Right. But I carpet so. could be interpreted as ground, and that's what well, the rabbis are for. See, then, see that shit out. then I might see, be in trouble. We encourage clean masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I've never had any sense of sin or wrong no. in, in a religious sense. Could you Jews. imagine how lame that would have been when you were a teen jerking off and you were like, this is wrong? Oh, my God. It happens to Catholics all the time. I know. It's me? terrible. They're, they're right? cursed. They feel I don't know shame. What, I wouldn't know what I would have done. What would I have done with my time? I don't know. How would I have developed as a person? Just, you would have jerked I, off. You would have just felt worse about it all the time. I just picture all the jerking off moments replaced with just me crying yeah exactly. alone in my bedroom all those great moments of yeah, relief yeah. and fucking excitement yeah. it's true yeah, i'm picturing like a montage of my best hits right now. 
<laughs> Just slow motion. <laughs> 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 Alright, where's the weirdest place you ever jerked off? Oh man, that's a good question. Probably jerked off some weird places. Airplane bathroom. Maybe, yeah, probably. yeah, I did that. Just yeah, to, just to kill some fucking sure, time every sure. once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and then you start to worry that like if someone's waiting out there. It's true. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you gotta yeah. wait till like the middle of a night and like a long right, right, international flight. flight like finally, everyone's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I jerked off on a ferry once. <laughs> a ferry boat. That's pretty good. Was it a long ride? No, it was just a, <laughs> just just a one minute it, jaunt no, across a, a river. It's a fifteen a, minute ferry ride. It was a Staten Island ferry. Just going to Staten Island. I don't know what the hell happened. You almost didn't make it. I was actually with my first wife and her parents. Really? Yeah. And you I just s- probably wanted to get away. I did want to get away, but there was this like Scandinavian girl wearing a denim one piece outfit, and I was going nuts. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, fuck it, fuck it. You just it. had to do it. I just had to do it, and I went down there and fucking took care of. All roads led to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is inevitable. You had no, you had no choice. I had no choice. That, yeah. Sometimes you just got to do it. You do. I, and it's better if you're indoors and alone. I, I don't think. think I ever jerked off in synagogue. I'm trying to think. One uh, year at summer camp. Unlike this poor kid. We had. <laughs> there, there, there's a certain I, part. I don't of think my, he finished. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't only count if you finish. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've rubbed up against a lot of shit. <laughs> Some kids fucked the couch, I heard. I never done that. I the probably couch, fucked no, the couch. Some, I think I fucked the couch. I didn't fuck a couch. I remember one time I was on a family trip. And uh, in the back, and it was a long drive. My parents were up front. And I just sat in the back seat trying to make myself come without touching my dick. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I had hours. I was like, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> I feel like every guy has the same story there where they think they've almost got there, no, but they probably But I feel close. like it's like a, like everyone has the friend who can do that. I, I, I don't know if I ever knew somebody that could actually do that. I feel like we that. knew a guy who could do no, that. No, there was a guy in our school who could suck his own dick. Oh, so similar could, similar gag. He could do it, but just not with his brain. Exactly with his without his hands though. Yeah, still hands free. Yeah. Let's let's stick with super bad for a minute because like Jonah, you met down here, yeah. right? On um, yeah, we were um auditioning people for Forty Year Old Virgin at that time. His part in that was like ridiculously hilarious. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, super funny. Uh, it's almost like you know you're kind of like who is that fucking guy? Yeah, which is yeah, and, the, and it was literally like one line in the script. Yeah. Like in the script, it was like the whole joke was like she works at this eBay store, and like the joke was like, "Can I buy these?" And she's like, "No, you can't buy them here." And he's just like, "I don't get it." And she's like, "It's fucking complicated." And <laughs> yeah. that was like the whole exchange. And then he showed up and was just like so funny, like it was crazy. And he like was improvising. Like it was kind of like the beginning when we had a lot of time to improvise. So he yeah. was just like improvising, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. And we were like, "This guy's amazing." And then we put him in Knocked Up, and then as one of my roommates, and then it was during, we filmed Knocked Up before Superbad, and then it was during Knocked Up that we, like, realized we could put him in Superbad, basically. He he actually wanted to be in Superbad, and we kept, <laughs> we said no to him, like, ten times. We kept telling him he was too old. Yeah, we're like, and, and, and he was like, old. I'm yeah. not, camera test me. In life, I look it. On camera, I won't. Yeah. And Judd, me, Seth, we just didn't believe him. And one and then day, we auditioned tons of people, and we couldn't find anyone funny. And literally, we went in my trailer, unknocked up, with like a video camera, and we're just like, okay, read the scene. And he did it, and it was so funny. And we literally like took it from my trailer to Amy, who the head of Sony's <laughs> office, and we're like, we want to use Jonah. And she was like, okay, use Jonah. And then that was it. And he was like, fuck you guys. Like, I've been trying to do this forever. And uh, yeah, and, and then 
And and it was amazing. Yeah, he was so funny. But it's interesting that you talk about when you were writing Superbad that it seemed like a possibility because I'm older than you. I'm 49. But like when I was a kid, you wouldn't have never thought that. Yeah. Because like, the independent movies weren't like that. You, you, no, like yeah. you, grew, you guys grew up in a time where it's like some guy made a movie for $10. Exactly. And, and people you, had like video cameras and, and you could just like fucking that. do it. Yeah. yeah, when we had video cameras, but they were bulky yeah, and it they, wasn't they, that easy. Yeah. So, okay. So it goes through the first draft and then. You get Freaks and Geeks. You get cast at, uh, there yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah. Judd came up there. Or who? Paul came up there. How'd Both that of work? them, yeah. They, like, I got an agent through doing stand-up, basically. And, uh, yeah, Judd and Paul came up to Vancouver and did casting all around North America. And I came in um, on one of the days, and then I got cast, basically, out of Vancouver. And you moved down here? Yeah, I moved to L.A. Then. And you stayed in Vancouver? I had no career. Yeah, so okay. I was I was teaching aquatic fitness at a YMCA. No, yeah. you, were you really? Yeah, yeah. I was an to old and, and I didn't look much different than the guy yeah. looking at. Like this was still here to old people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old and young, mostly old. <laughs> so okay, so now your best friend <laughs> yes makes the break. I was making more money. <laughs> no, I was. That, that I don't think is I true. Don't think and he is. leaves. He's like, "What did you say to him? Like, I gotta go, man." Uh, no, I remember we, uh, yeah, it was like I did the pilot, so I left for a little bit, and then yeah. I came back, and I remember, like, it was actually the night of, we had that, our school had that Hawaiian dance, when, uh. When, when you smashed Paul in the head and almost gave him a concussion. Yeah, and I got so drunk, I almost got kicked out of school that night, but Who's I did Paul? thank God. Uh, a guy we went to high school with. <laughs> Just a dude. <laughs> what you, what you, what, you smashed him in the head as a joke? They had giant fake boxing gloves on, and his yeah. Seth slid forward. And it kind of just ended with his fist smashing into the, in the face. We had like a carnival at school, and me and my friends got drunk and went to the carnival. Rob did get kicked. One of our friends. Yeah, one of our friends he actually. Threw, he threw up. That was kind of the rule. You he, could get drunk. Like you just couldn't let throw it up. Yeah. Yeah, you throw up, you're and, out. And then one of the kids, one of our friends threw up and actually got kicked out of school that day. But it was that night we had a dance after the carnival, and I literally remember being on a payphone, which fucking shows how yeah. you know, old I am right. now. And, uh, I got. I was calling my mom, and she said that they they got a call that Freaks and Geeks got picked up, and that I was gonna that we were gonna move to L.A. Basically, wow. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. And so I found it, out like at the high school, and he you told him, yeah, and you were hurt and said, all right, go do what you got to do. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care. I didn't want to be an actor at all. And we were about to graduate high school anyway by then. Yeah. we were in like eleventh grade at this point. Basically, you you right? want to be an actor, but you want to be a writer, and you had this movie. Yeah. So for me, it's just like nice. Go set the groundwork. <laughs> yeah, make it, make it happen, dude. <laughs> Did you think that? Yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what I did. <laughs> we talked about it. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, at every point in our lives, yeah. we t- continued writing together over the phone. Yeah. Like, we never wrote apart, so we would always just get on the phone for like an hour or two, a few times a week. The whole time I went to university, the whole time he was down there, just kept it going. Yeah, and he, even when I was on Freaks and Geeks, we would talk on the phone, literally, like, we were we would rewrite, instead of doing school, I would rewrite Super Bad with Evan Bates. It was always this one script. Yeah, that was all we were doing at that it's, time. It's, it's interesting to me. This was like your cane. It was. <laughs> well, we genuinely sat down and said, what do we know? And the answer was just, we want to get laid so goddamn yeah. badly. And that was literally, as humans, the only story we thought we had to tell. <laughs> when did you finally get laid? Uh, I was For, like, first year of university. Yeah, 18 or 19. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. How was or, it? Yeah, 18. It was great. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I, I was a rock star my first time, and then the second time it was like... Messy. 14, 14, <laughs> 14 Messy. seconds. Yeah. I'll never forget how quick that was. <laughs> the first time you're nervous, so you, you have a lot... You can, it's yeah, like thank you, God for you're that psyching nerve. yourself out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a good way. Yeah. It's helpful. Yeah. The right. only reason, yeah, I can perform sexually is because I'm constantly psyching myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm paralyzed with fear. Exactly. Every time. <laughs> 
<laughs> but we wrote, but like, yeah, I mean, uh, we wrote most of the movie, like, yeah, before we ever had sex. Like, it's probably one of the few movies about people who want to lose their virginity that was written by people who had not lost their virginity. <laughs> like, it feels like it's a little late, but I mean, I yeah. was 17, but it wasn't good. Maybe it would have been better yeah. if I waited until 18 or 19. I liked how I got it going, which is I had a girlfriend. Yeah. We had sex and we dated for a year. So you can get good at it. Full good year. Right. I couldn't imagine the version of like one girl for two days, another girl three weeks later. No, you want to get your, you want to figure out your You need that relationship, you know? Skill, the craft. Figure it out. The craft defense. Your coxmanship. Your coxmanship. How long were you with the girl? Yeah, around like eight months or something like that. Yeah, it was enough time that I can Did you thank her? and? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. This has been great. You really helped me out. I really appreciate what you've done for me. And, uh, she didn't this. make me that good. I'll be <laughs> I still have a long way to go. Hey, if it works. If it works, it works. <laughs> Are you going to have kids? Uh, we talk about it. They'll have kids before we have kids, yeah. I think. Yeah. I just had my nephew. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm there. She, she wants it. I'm ready. We're doing it. Are you? Unless I shoot blanks. We'll find out. <laughs> I, I've been through two marriages. I haven't had kids, but I just proposed to that girl in there. Nice. And like, I'm an old man already, but she wants to have kids, so I think I'm going to go ahead and do it. Do it. What's the worst that could happen? I get old, and I say, uh, you know, just come. Daddy can't run too fast. Exactly. Yeah. Well, You'll be an old dad. Seth had a good line once. He said, I think that it might be something that's a fundamental part of human experience. You said that once drunk. I was drunk, and I said that. I think when I was drunk. Being a father? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. I, think I just right. feel like I'm not going to do this whole thing. Like I think of how great the iPad is, and then I think that this thing's so yeah, exactly. much better than my iPad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going through life never touching an iPad, and you just want someone there when you're old. Yeah, I think so. Like I, I, I managed to avoid it, you know, for the same reason you avoid asking someone to marry you. It's sort of like, ah, oh, it's a lot of. Seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it just seems yeah like let's a just talk about this next week. Yeah, seems yeah. like a whole to do. Yeah, yeah. We're going to buy supplies. And yeah, you know. it's true. Well, both our siblings have just knocked out some kids, and it's it's pretty fun. It yeah. is fun, and our friends are starting to have kids. My wife is not as uh, enthusiastic about having children right now, but we've like if you asked us a few years ago, we'd probably say we were never going to have kids. Now we've warmed up to like maybe in you know four or five years we'll have kids. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a long wait. I bet you it happened sooner. We'll see. How old's your brother? You got brother, sister? No, I have an older sister, three years older. How many kids she have? She's two kids. Just had her. You like them? Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? I got a brother two years older, married one of my best friends. They got a kid who's 13 months. Yeah. Married my roommate, actually. Yeah, his brother married his college roommate, who yeah, he, he was already friends with. He <laughs> asked me who he should go for when uh, my year of staff came to be staff at our you Jewish had, summer camp. She, Jewish she, summer camp hookup. Yeah, uh, really? My wife's married. My, I mean, my, fuck, my sister's husband is also someone who we went to Jewish summer camp with. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Are they all up in Canada? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, do do you miss Canada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's I mean? Because you're both from Vancouver. Yeah, that's a great city. Yeah, it's awesome. It, I always think it looks like it was built out of a kit. It kind of does. <laughs> it, it was very nicely assembled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, was, there was nothing, and then there was a box. Exactly. <laughs> Someone just unpacked it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nice. It's awesome. The food is good. Yeah, our friends are there. It's a weird vibe, though. It's a, it's very different. There, it seems to be missing that element of fear that is so prominent here. There's no fear there. I I, I would love to miss that element of fear. Yeah. It's true, just, though, right? Do you do you sense it? Because when you're in Canada, yeah. you're like, all right, there's a dirty corner. 
Yeah. You, you know, but there's not, I think the people are more comfortable. And I th- I think, I do think that, you know, the, the socialization of certain things helps people like they know that like, I don't have to worry about that. No, for sure. There's like not an overall. Yeah. It's exactly what you said. Panic. Yeah. Panicked. I think. It's yeah. I mean, America by nature has to be more panicked. Yeah. That's They're kind of like a nice buffer for Canada. I think there's a sense that it's less of an evolving beast than a, America in the sense you get. I think in America, it's always like, it's always changing. It's, it's always competitive. It's, it's yeah. not. The, you know, socialization changes a lot of things. Yeah. You know, like here, it's like everything you know should be privatized, and everyone's like worried about you yeah. know whether they're going to be able to you know get sick and go to a doctor. Exactly, and it always feels like like things need to change. The gay marriage needs to be legalized, and it's not. And abortion needs to be okay, and it's not. And in Canada, it feels like around. 50 years ago, they kind of figured out all that shit, yeah, yeah. and we were all just kind of yeah. enjoying the results of it. Right, right. Yeah. It's, a, it's actually, they care about the people. The government sort of serves a purpose. I imagine there's complaints that people have, and yeah. it's not as competitive, and for that, they, you know, they, there's... You got, you got to wait. Yeah. A lot yeah. of waiting in Canada. You yeah. You get free shit, but you got to wait And for doctors, it. I think, like, come to America because they get paid more here, because there's more, like, sure. capitalist they, I wonder if they, they can have a private practice, though, in Canada, can't Definitely. they, as well? Yeah. Like, they can work for the, uh, they can see patients on that, on the social. Yeah, it's not like you have to go to a certain doctor. Right, like right, that. right. And there's definitely, like, super rich doctors and less rich doctors. Sure. <laughs> but, but the super rich doctors in Canada are nothing compared to the super rich doctors in America. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. they're still pretty fucking rich. Yeah, yeah. Like, our friends' parents who were, like, eye doctors and, like, psychologists and stuff, they were, like, super rich. Yeah, you that's know? a good racket, doctor, the eye doctor. doctor one. Eye what's doctor, it, yeah. What'd your dad do? My dad was a lawyer and has like a venture capital group he does now. Oh yeah, in Canada. Yeah, he hi- he hired our best buddy Fogel, from, <laughs> who was the McLovin guy in Superbed. He works with my dad now. It's true. Super <laughs> weird. It's so fucking strange. It's really strange. What did your dad do? Uh, he worked at like nonprofit organizations. Basically, he never had like a full on like career. Like, so they were real like progressive a... Jews. Yeah, <laughs> helping the people. They were. He worked at the B, the British Columbia Coalition of People with Disabilities. Really? most of my childhood which was like an advocacy group for disabled people basically wow yeah you grew up with uh, good-hearted people good heart it, it, it's literally the exact opposite of a venture capitalist he's <laughs> <laughs> like robin hood with the venture capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did your mom work yeah she was a social worker uh, wow yeah <laughs> so she, they were probably very tolerant and supportive they and... were incredibly tolerant and supportive which is the only reason we became writers because yeah. my parents unlike evans were incredibly oh, yeah. tolerant my, my mother would come in when we were writing and she would tell us <laughs> to go like, outside you guys are play. wasting your time she Stop would just it. be like Stop doing that. Go outside and play. Yeah, and we were like, like 15. You don't yeah. say go outside and play to I think It literally wasn't until like Pineapple Express came out that his parents were like, okay, I think they have a no, shot No, no, man. All no, Green Hornet. Yeah, like it's like we've been here for like years. And my like, mother like genuinely was like, I think I think you might have something going here. <laughs> and what's weird is like, yeah, like the whole time we were writing Superbad, they were like, no, no, no. And I was like doing well as a stand-up comedian relatively. Yeah. Like it was like nothing to like be skeptical of. Right, like as right. far, like I was like, I was like one of the comics in town. I like would headline some nights yeah. and open for guys some nights. Like, and I and like and they still were like there was like no sense that we would ever succeed. Actually, though, <laughs> in hindsight, it was mostly my mother because my dad did drive me down to L.A. two times. No, to it's go true. On super yeah, bad it was meetings. mostly your mom. Yeah, it was mostly my mom. She genuinely just thought we were wasting our time. Yeah. Well, I think they're afraid. Maybe. You know, they like they want something like what? Do you, how are you gonna? I'll there's no money. security yeah, exactly. in their minds they, to it. They like they like the job of lawyer. Right yeah. for their children. Sure, it's a job. My, they... my brother's a lawyer now. Oh, really? Yeah. He did the dick drawings for Superbad, though. So he should be an artist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, well, it sounds like your dad was sort of like, this is fun. 
You know, like the kids yeah. have oh, well, When I was a kid, my dad would watch Mel Brooks movies with me and just be like, these guys make these dumb fucking comedies and make a billion dollars. <laughs> and, and I love the movies. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to think that we're slowly turning into the, uh, the Mel schmucks Brooks who get to. I No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish. Yeah. I'm saying the schmucks who get money to make yeah, stupid, to make, dumb yeah, yeah, yeah. jokes. What, what is about the weed? Where do they stand on the weed? Yeah, where are your parents? From, my parents don't care they about it. They don't anything. care. They don't want me to ever be out of control with anything, yeah. but right. Only recently, like, cause my my dad, like, you know, and it's not, you know, when you on talk shows and stuff, like, sometimes, like, like last time I went on Letterman, like, they literally he asked me ten minutes of weed questions, like, completely unprompted. Which, like, if you haven't seen this, it's and nuts. it was like crazy, like, I like it was like like none of it was in the pre-interview, it was like all other shit, and it's literally just like here's like an onslaught of weed questions <laughs> for like ten straight fucking minutes, and like. Only recently, my dad has been like, do you have to talk about weed every single time you're on one of these shows? <laughs> I was like, hey, I don't know. What do you say to David Letterman? No, I don't want to fucking... My dad doesn't want me to talk about that anymore. That would be funny, actually. But our, <laughs> our parents were walking around the, the after after party of the premiere, and there might have been some weed smoke right Yeah, around. they were okay with and it. And like, my, my dad came up to me, and I thought he might say something about all the weed, and he was just like, where's more beer? <laughs> this was last night? Yes. Yeah. Were your folks here, too? They were, but my sister was here with my eight-week-old nephew, and so they they did not come up to the weed smoking area. Mm-hmm. But they park. all live in Canada. Yeah, they all live in Vancouver. My parents come back and forth. They have a place in Laguna Beach. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and your folks just they don't they just come down for the special. Yeah, events. they just come down for special events. I go up there as much as I can. There's usually an excuse here or there. Grandfather's 90th birthday. Brother 90. has a kid. Yeah. 93 now wow we, we crossed swords at his 91st <laughs> you did? while peeing took him, took him longer to pull his sword out <laughs> what did his dick look like <laughs> hey, pretty good wow. it's nice to know my dick 90 like year old dick, dick yeah. yeah and I just saw my nephew's penis <laughs> that and dick's I been around whole, for 90 generation. years 90 year old dick <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> Hopefully one day we three will have we'll ninety-year-old ninety dicks. dicks. I know I nice. put mine through a lot. I know if it's still if it sticks around till then, I'll be very thankful for it. Yeah, I, I'm glad they don't just fall off at a certain point. Exactly. I do constantly marvel at that. Like I do have this thing dangling off my body, and it's never got like caught in anything. Like yeah, yeah. in like a, just like a general like machinery, like a bicycle spoke. Well, or something I, like that. I I went to a, a new... bicycle. Spoke. Yeah, I'm just I, lucky. It's, I it's, went to a nudist resort there. for yeah. a vacation. He did. It's funny. I always wanted to go to a nudist. Resort. Always talked about going to a nudist resort so I for finally, fucking years we've talked about it <laughs> so I fi- after we finished this is the end I wanted to do what I wanted to do so I went to one yeah and I, they ain't no good <laughs> he discovered why I we discovered, wear clothes we wear clothes because uh, we have mucous membranes and body parts the moment they just told me I had to put a towel down on anything I sat on I was like why oh gross yeah <laughs> so you don't wait, get so butthole all over <laughs> yeah I, I'm worried and about then, that and in then the I, yeah, exactly. and then I wanted to barbecue and I had to put on clothes and then people kind of shamed me for putting on clothes to barbecue but I didn't want to burn my penis exactly it was just just why would you? Why did you want to go to a nudist? What did you think was going to happen? I thought I would feel so free, but then what I realized is, I I have a job where I can do kind of you know talk about anything. There's no faux pas things in the comedy room. Yeah, so I don't have anything to get off my chest. Yeah, all the people at news resorts are like stifled up. Yeah, like stifled that, like, middle American kind of people yeah. who just need to bust free. Right, <laughs> they bust free all the time. The best part though was there was a you guy do- with a huge dick and no one would talk to him. <laughs> really. <laughs> One guy with a really big dick, and no one would talk to him. No one chatted with him. You don't what? want a big dick in the nudist world. <laughs> People think, think it... you're doing it. They question your motive. Exactly. They question your motive. <laughs> it's like, what's, why is this guy into this? Is it just to show his giant yeah, yeah, dick yeah. off? We get it. Okay, we get, we get it. it. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Just alone? Just him yeah. and his dick? <laughs> just him and his sad, huge dick. 
Just talking to his dick. <laughs> We're having a good time, aren't we? <laughs> Me and you, dick. <laughs> so, all right. So then, okay. So you do Freaks and Geeks, Hicks ass. You come down then? Uh, uh, I came and left numerous times. Yeah. yeah. I came for a summer and we wrote Pineapple Express. I left. I went back to school. I went traveling. I came back. I moved to LA for a year. We did the Ali G show together, which was our first paid job together. Yeah. And you were you wrote as partners on that? You were hired yeah. together as a team? Yeah. yeah. And Seth Seth had done stuff before and I had never done anything professional. And I'll never forget we go in for the first day and it's like a six hour test. So this is before Pineapple Express was made or before the yeah, other yeah, one. Yeah. So, Nothing had been made. You'd just been on Freaks and Geese. No, we had been on Freaks and Geese and then I did Undeclared and then um and that was it. And then Undeclared was cancelled and I was basically unemployed for like a pretty long time, a couple of years basically. Yeah. And I was just auditioning for shitty movies mostly. And meanwhile, at this point, yeah, we had like written Pineapple Express. Um, and again, that was just like a second script that we had written. Right. And also no one wanted to make. Right. And, and yeah. And so, and then we started working on the LG show. We're probably like 21 or 22 at this point, basically. Well, how'd you get the LG job? Do you know him? No. Uh, I think it he was Judd. Judd. It was Judd. through Judd. I'll uh, never forget it. He called me and said, we, we got the chance to go over this LG show, but we'd never get it. So like, I don't know. And I was like, I will fly down there. We have to do this. Did you know him? No. Uh, no, I didn't know the show. You knew of him. There was one video. I'd seen the at, porn can at, at film Cannes, Yeah, but, like there was. But one... I didn't know it was him until you told me when I came to LA. Oh, that's. But this I was... just you just said someone's willing to give us an interview. <laughs> but this was like a second season. He had already done some in England, right? So yeah, he yeah. done a bunch of seasons. Yeah, he had done. And then he did H. And he, this was the HBO. Game. This was the HBO show. Yeah. Right. So yeah, Judd called. I guess Sasha and Judd were talking. He had just started the HBO show, and he said, "Like, is there any writers that you yeah. know?" And Judd knew that we had been trying to write, and he said, "Maybe you should meet with." these guys and so he met with us and we pitched him some of the stuff that they used actually on the uh, show the we spring him. break stuff yeah that the they wrestlers. could go to spring break with like the bruno character oh, right, right, and right. fuck with the wrestlers and yeah, frat guys yeah. and shit like that yeah um and, and they and, said to us how do you go to spring break yeah they didn't know what spring break was because in the uk they don't have like right, spring right. break like we do and they're like right. go to spring break that's like going to summer vacation we're like no like spring no, break happens a, like geographically in florida and uh and then they hired us and uh yeah uh, it was awesome that was, so that's interesting so to write for a show like that you're basically pitching things for the characters to do yeah exactly yeah, like we get in there and he goes okay so mark give yeah. me give me 10 bruno things to say to a fashion elitist yeah exactly and like you think of quest first well it's two steps you think of the types of people the different characters could interview yeah so like if psychic bruno, medium a psychic yeah you think uh, of new like, wave musician yeah a hairstylist esthetician and then you book those people and then once they're booked and you know you have the interview, then you write, then you help write the questions basically. Oh, wow. That, and you try to do it in such a way that it like coaxes them into like exposing how obnoxious so had, they are. Basically. You had a good time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was my first job, so I was freaking out. And you wrote the whole season? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not the whole season. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. We, we, we wrote like uh, the, the second Bruno, half. All of the, the Bruno yeah. stuff we worked on. And then like half of the Ali And G half the Ali G. No, 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 no Borat for no, me. No, the Borat stuff. Yeah. So Judd is, uh, so he's, was that the first time he kind of went to bat for you at post, uh, undeclared? And, no, and... they had been trying to get super bad. Like he was, he signed on as a producer of super bad and like for that whole time, basically like when you were unemployed, yeah, was trying to get it made and we would have meetings with producers. Some guy would almost make it. Some guy would, we'd almost get money. And so he like was like an advocate of our writing and he was helpful. But at that time 
even he wasn't successful enough to just like get our movie, right? Made, right. You know. Um. So and people he, wanted us to tone it down. Everyone yeah, and people us. were afraid of the. People would say, "I love it. We'll do it." And then they take it to the next level, and they want it to be PG thirteen. And they'd say, basically. "If you do it PG thirteen, we'll make it." And we would. So say they that. wanted to make it literally for kids. Yeah. Exactly. And did you see uh, Franco's Spring Breakers, Harmony Corrine's movie? I haven't seen it yet. I hear it's amazing, though. It's crazy. Yeah, Franco is super psyched about it. He, yeah, he, he really went to town on that yeah, one. Yeah, he says, it's, yeah, he's like, he, every time I told him I haven't seen it, he's so mad. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> he's like, I'm amazing in it. <laughs> it. It seems like it's his favorite thing he's ever oh, done. Oh, yeah, he said, he's, it's like, he's like, it's the best character I've ever played. <laughs> he gets in it, man. I mean, yeah. you know, and it's weird because you know, it's, a, it's an earnest character, but just by virtue of his small timeness and his you know his uh sort of uh like grandiose not... yeah, like, yeah, yeah 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 it's hilarious yeah it's a, I, the clips i've seen are amazing i gotta see it okay so okay so you do the super uh you do uh the bruno thing uh basically um around that time they were finally making anchorman i want to say or, yeah or talladega nights one of those two mckay movies yeah. which judd was the producer on and it was it was then, and forty year old. No, first we went forty year old virgin, and and that that came off of like uh, Talladega or Anchorman. They like because those movies did well. Judd got to do forty year old virgin, basically. and you were you started it. He went to he pulled you in for that. Yeah, he, he gave me a good part in forty year old virgin, well, right, which yeah, let no, me do not, knocked, not, up. knocked up. Is what you started, and then right. and it was literally like around that time that that also you know we got super bad uh bought because it, and, and, we, were, and we made super bad literally right after knocked up because like, you were putting asses in seats we were or, or, or we hadn't yet honestly we were just like he had judd had we we had done shit all but 40 old virgin did really well yeah which we you know i helped you know work on the script of and i think people start to see that like the dirty sensibility would would play <laughs> right but it be, but it's dirty in a, in it's a sweet though yeah a relatively innocent way yeah and he definitely. gets a little flack for that too yeah. i guess you guys get a little flack for being like why are you man children can't you get over your dicks yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> no one ever gets over their dick <laughs> who gets over their dick he has 90 year old grandfathers having sword fights still <laughs> why would you get over your dick <laughs> it's our gift it's our god-given mm -hmm. gift that's but what do we you, got. Do you find you did get you, you th that whole crew gets a little flack for that, huh? Yeah, sometimes. I, mean, I don't really feel like we're getting a lot of flack beyond right. beyond the standard flack one would get for even coming slightly into this territory. It's like the type of flack that if you don't get, it's like the expected. It's like we're working against something comedically. It's right. like by trying to be funny, like inherently you're kind of trying to like be in some way edgy or subversive. So like without the voice of without the obvious voice of dissent saying like, oh, they're talking about their dicks all the time, it almost like invalidates what we're yeah, doing right, in a right, way. Right, like right. you need the obvious people to say like the stupid fucking thing about yeah, what you do right. or else it doesn't seem cool when the other people think but it's I, funny you but know? i thought knocked up was a fairly sensitive emotionally um re realistic movie in yeah a i think there's a lot less dick stuff in that one yeah there's a lot of heart to that yeah that one's kind of yeah I'm, and then with super bad i mean your kids you got to talk about we're your teenagers dick. that's yeah. all we fucking talk about <laughs> pineapple express was weed that was weed not yeah, dicks not <laughs> weed's the new dick <laughs> <laughs> and then green hornet what happened there that's a good question <laughs> we were just talking about it, but it's so we always talk about it and kind of like we fell into the trap. I'm gonna say what happened when you start doing well, you inherently gravitate towards the notion we did anyway of like doing the biggest, 
thing that you can basically. Like, right. You think like, what are we working towards in a way? You right. Know? And then you start to think like, well, these superhero movies are popular. They make all sorts of different ones. This is kind of like the holy grail of what movies are right now. Right. This is like the biggest game in town. Mainstream movie. Exactly. Yeah. So I think like we got excited about the prospect of having that opportunity that we did it being completely naive as to exactly how much of what makes us good would be basically stifled and evaporated <laughs> merely by signing on to do a movie of that budget and of that rating. Like it's a PG 13 movie. And right. like, just like most of what makes us funny is not that type of thing. How'd you, know? you choose the material? It was what we, someone, Neil Moritz, it was pitched to us, honestly. It was really the way it went down is they came in, Neil Moritz and Ori Marmour, who he works with, and they said, Do you guys want to make a $70 million action movie? And we were like, And, and we it's called like, The Green Hornet. And we we're like, yes, yes, very much so. And and then it expanded. It became almost twice as expensive of that. Like it, it expanded like the $120 million movie. Were you freaking out? We were freaking out because ultimately. When, when the train gets that big, it can't stop, you know? Yeah. Like, like, like they'll. The studios will figure out a way to make it work. It was a dark time, though. There was it was it was was several years worked up in Green Hornet shit where we were just like it took three years of our lives, and we always say we could have made five movies. Yeah, in that time, but 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 you who chose to have you lead? We did. <laughs> they gave you that. You, you yeah. said we'll do it if so. Did we agree to that when we we just agreed? No, to like they pitched that we... actually. I think I think they said like and you would do it. Like I think they from the get go. I could be wrong. I don't remember. But, but that you... was never like a big conversation. But honestly. were you nervous as an actor that you were going to be a superhero? Not really. I mean, what's funny is like to me it was just like trying something new. Like I was excited because it was different. Honestly, so the and, weight like... of one hundred twenty million dollars. It must have become a, a little overbearing at some point. Oh, it was the hardest job. While we, we were making had. it, it was a fucking nightmare almost yeah. all the we time. We shot for like 70 days straight. Yeah, and Gondry, the director, is like wonderful at kind yeah, of yeah. smaller scale stuff, right. but I think he did not mesh well with. It was his first superhero movie. His as well. first gigantic movie. I mean, I think it, it was probably his first movie with more than $20 million budget. And this is $120 million. He did Eternal Sunshine, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he did, uh, he did that other one with Jack Black. Uh, yeah, Fat, Be Kind Rewind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it was like, we had never made an action movie. He'd never made an action movie. But what I really, like, if there's, like, one thing I look back on more than anything is, like, what is the problem there? It was just, like, the budget. Like, we can't, you can't make, we can't make a really edgy, fun movie for our types of people for that amount of money like there's just too much too much money <laughs> there's just too much skepticism that more money more problems more money more problems the studio wants to like you can't take risks like they wouldn't let us take risks anyway and like it just makes it very hard to make a movie that's like but they're taking exciting. a risk by spending 120 million dollars it's on true it. and it, well it's so weird what risk they're willing to take honestly like the risks and that's what's weird about a big action movie like here's an example like the script is under great scrutiny, like the lines, the characters, the dialogue. You should have a father. There should be this. There should be that. And we're just like, okay, we just want to kind of, you know, get it made and not waste all this time. And then things like the action sequences, which are really like where all the money's getting spent, go under no scrutiny whatsoever. No one looks at it. No one looks at the previs. No one looks at the storyboards. No one, no, the studio, like literally like what we spent like $50 million on, like no one checks out. And like, that's what's crazy is like the way the money was spent. And I think early is spent on a lot of these movies was, was crazy. When you look back at it, like the things that were spent the most money on were almost under the least amount of scrutiny out of all the stuff in the movie. And, but. But like overall, it's just like 
we, you know, we were just saying literally like 20 minutes ago, we were driving here. It was like, when you look back at the movies we've enjoyed making, it's been super bad. Pineapple Express knocked up this one. This is the end. You know, 50, 50 was a lot of fun. That's a good movie. Thanks. And it's the ones where it's like, they leave us alone. We can do whatever we want. We're in charge or our friends are in charge. And it's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And it's, and, and we're free to do whatever the fuck we want. Right. We never, like there were so many times on Green Hornet, we'd be like, oh, you know, it'd be funny if this happens. It'd be funny if this happens and be like, well, we can't do that because it's R rated. Yeah. We just always pictured the moment where he just, his character in Green Hornet said, Cato, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, like, suck my dick, Kato. Like, that's what you want, and you can't do that. And, like, that's what we realized. Like, oh, like, I think we hoped, like, we could be the guys that made, like, the edgy PG-13 movie. <laughs> so, you're but, right. But we just couldn't really do it, you and know? What, and what what happened when uh, when you released it? It did, you know, it honestly... It did, it did better it did than any movie we've ever my made. My biggest <laughs> opening weekend I've ever had, it, like, it opened pretty well. It was one of the biggest... They gave us a really shitty release date, and it actually did... Like better on that release date than I think any movie ever had, and, and I it, think I think in the end, you know, they made money internationally. It, it made it, like altogether made two hundred and forty million dollars or something like oh, that. Good. Like it made exponentially more than any of our other movies. But we were definitely disappointed with the American release. Yeah, definitely. Like, and it just it made like ninety million in North America. You were disappointed, or they were? We all were. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, did I mean, they, it was an expensive movie. Did but, they hang you out to dry? they throw you under the bus? No, not at all. It was really like, never before have we been like in it with the studio. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we were in the trenches with the executives. They would come in and help and like... Yeah. Like it, it, usually they're breathing down your neck in a bad way, and this yeah. way it was different. But it was also like, hard. like, help us, come. Right, it was right. hard to figure out what to fix also because it was our highest testing movie ever. Like, like it, significantly higher than Superbad. Yeah, like it tested, it tested 95 twice in a row at test screenings out of 100. Like 50-50 tests like 91. Superbad right. tests like 88. Like, right. like, like for us, like the best comedies test like lower than that. So when you're given that, it's also hard to figure out what to do. Right. Because you're like these regular people like really seem to like it and respond to it, which was weird. And so like we really, and it kind of hurt us because we actually had ways we thought we could fix it as the movie went on, like with reshoots and stuff like that. But when your movie's testing that well, it's hard to justify them putting more money so into it. So they were it. happy. when you They were kind of happy. It was weird. It was like, it was kind of a disaster, but at the same time it was testing really well. And so it was a very weird... So the feeling wasn't like, well, we're fucked. It was more like... Eh, don't yeah, know. it was. It was kind of like, I don't know. Like, what's happening here? And then it got really shitty reviews. Yeah. So then you're like, what What do you take from all that? Like, right. It was really... What did you take from and, all and that? Never make an expensive yeah. movie again. That's what we took from it. <laughs> never fucking do that. This Just, one looks pretty expensive. $31 million. This, this is the end of $31 million? Yeah. And that makes it like... Like that, if you're under, they're like, like great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're under like forty or fifty, then you can do whatever the. Yeah, fuck we you asked want, for basically. forty-five, and they said no. And, and then, then they, we said, "What number will you just let us do whatever we want to do?" And they said, thirty-one. We said, "Okay, we'll make that work." <laughs> and did most of the guys work for uh, lower than they would generally? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just, it, yeah, I think just all the guys' salaries normally it comes, would it comes be, back would around be thirty-one million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Next time we need one of their help, they're going to say, "Hey, I took a big cut yeah, last exactly. time. <laughs> this time, hook me up." Yeah, but it looks like there's some serious effects in there. Yeah, we like you know, as movie fans, like we just kind of process-wise, like you know, we're always on the lookout for movies that kind of made a lot with a little. And it was movies like like Cloverfield. We was when that came out, we yeah. were like, oh, and like District Nine, Chronicle. and like Chronicle. It was movies like that where you're like, oh, with very little money now, you can actually like sell a very epic scale if you're just 
smart about picking your moments and like what you show and how you do yeah, it. Like District Nine is as epic as anything could be. That's that weird one spaceships. that was that South African. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. That was a fucking trippy movie, man. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. that guy's an amazing filmmaker. That was the one where they they had the aliens in the camps. Yeah, exactly. Like a little like uh, that was crazy. Yeah, it was super crazy. But that movie had like probably the same budget we had, maybe a little bit more. But it was movies like that where like, oh, you there's ways to do it now if you're smart about it. Right. And yeah. the 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 whole idea from beginning to when you first started thinking about doing it was to put your friends as themselves hollywood guys who live a, a sort of sheltered and wonderful life uh you know in this situation to show their humanity which would be the humor of the thing not their humanity i mean but who uh, they are yeah i mean no if anything like it's the worst comes out and everybody and right, we all right. turn on each other well, yeah exactly their, yeah the true. movie does yeah. not end with six guys being good friends yeah. and, and getting along <laughs> but, yeah. but you break the the sort of celebrity very much so right, but that's right. not the point of it at all like it's, no but that's it, yeah. the comedy of it yeah i think that's part of the comedy yeah of sometimes it. we break it sometimes we re- re- reinforce, reinforce it some like of the guys like, like jonah's fall- character is nothing like jonah franco's reinforcing his stereotypes yeah. you know but uh, overall, right, I mean, right, it right. was more—it was more just like an interesting backdrop. We thought, like, yeah. it kind of gave an interesting color to it. Like, we could have made the movie without it like that, and like structurally, it would almost—it could exist. In but the I think exact the play on, like, uh, it, it's just interesting because it almost—it's—it it becomes a satire of yeah. of show business in a way, definitely, <laughs> and like the excess of it and right. how self-important. I mean, what the movie ultimately becomes about is like, are you a good person or a bad person? Like, right. that's kind of what they're all faced, forced to deal with once they realize that like, the, how selfish the are apocalypse you? is happening. Right. And also like, why are they the people who have kind of been laid to waste on earth, basically on kind of a larger sense. And so, yeah, I mean, it does play a lot with like what a stupid job acting is and how easy it is and how much we're rewarded for doing like essentially like pretending to fucking be other people, which is so easy. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, we definitely make fun of that. Do you ever, do you ever feel like you're fully pretending to be somebody else? No. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I'm doing a good job acting like I'm pretending to be someone else. There's no moment where I'm like literally like have the thoughts of another. uh, It's always for me like a performance. Like I I think it's, it's very interesting how you and um, primarily you and Joan, I mean, sort of have figured out some new, you know, delivery system to this sort of comedic persona. You, you know, like you guys are very, you know, you're, you're very consistently funny, but it's not like a kind of sticky funny that we've seen before. I don't know how you did it. I, I like to think it's a Jewish thing. In my mind, it's sort of like... <laughs> I think it is. You figured out a, a new way to... Because like all well, the Jews... D- Danny McBride and Franco are half Jewish. So yeah, exactly. Jay, so is Jay Baruchel. <laughs> so that just ha- means Craig doesn't make sense. Exactly. They all have half Jew in but them. But McBride's like, you know, that, that guy's like sort of effortlessly... There, there's some... Yeah. You're all sort of gifted in your own way, but I had him in here, and he's one of those guys you just kind of... You, you're just waiting to laugh. You, yeah. You, you're, you're just looking at him going, when's it going to happen? When's it going to say? So his voice yeah. that. on the set he was like the magic man you was know? he when, yeah. when he started doing shit people couldn't keep their act yeah together. it was amazing yeah it's effortless and yeah. there's there's something bizarre about it he's just unfucking believable yeah <laughs> yeah he's like, one of those guys that just it's like amazing like some of the funniest shit like he just says like and he improvises it and you like <laughs> you get to use it like it's on you feel so lucky it's like someone just giving you these gifts You're what like, I like wow. more than when, than when he improvises which I'm so used to is sometimes he prepares it yeah, like he, he like he works out sticks the day yeah. before. Like he works out like three killer jokes. But he's one of those guys where just how he says stuff is. Whenever he said Jonah, he's yeah. always like yelling at Jonah in the movie. <laughs> just how he said it, Jonah. Yeah, Look, he, Jonah. At one point, he just said, "Bring them unto me. Bring them unto me, Jonah." 
you sassy little bitch. <laughs> yeah, he he just like twists language in a weird way. Yeah. I just try I trying to figure out how the you know like and with Judd as well, you know how the comedy has changed because comedy's tricky and there's not a lot of comedies made really that are really good. I mean, when you guys approach a movie, I mean. Because you're not, I mean, you're writing jokes, but they they just feel different. They're, like It just seems like there was a time where comedy was all Alan Alda yeah. and Woody Allen and, and then Eddie Murphy's and then like really broad comedy. But you guys seem to be grounded in some sort of weird groove. I'm, I can't quite figure it out. Can uh, you? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to right now. I know. Not, sometimes I watch about. it even. I'm like, why is that funny? It just, <laughs> I think it's the character. Like, I think it's because we try to make, yeah, like I think it's because it's based in some emotional reality. Right, honestly. right, right. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. Because like it's not it's, all joke driven. It's like what they're saying isn't funny. It's the way they're interacting with right, each right. other is funny. It's the fact that they're so mad about that thing. That's what's funny. It's not. It's not the way they're articulating it. How come Siegel like, wasn't involved? He's in it a little bit. He, oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Are you there. guys friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a funny guy. He's super fucking funny. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's hysterical. He's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know how there's so many. You guys are funny. I think. <laughs> I think Jonah's going to come in. I haven't been like he. Oh. I think he was nervous to do it for a while. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> he doesn't realize how sweet you are. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> he was too about Howard Stern. I was like, just go on. He'll be so nice to you. Like yeah. you don't get it. Like, and was he? Like, yeah, he was so nice. <laughs> just like they're just Jewish guys. You're like, well, they're going to invite but, you on to be a fucking asshole to you. I you, you definitely yeah. have a Howard Stern rep as someone yeah. who might get you to yeah. say something that you don't want to say. But I, I don't seek it. You know, I don't yeah. seek controversy. I, I know you, but but you, it's it happens. It happens sometimes. But I, I was nervous to go on Howard. I went on Howard the first time like a few weeks ago. You get nervous. And, well, yeah, because I'm like, what did he find? Yeah, exactly. Like, Is there some like, fucking thing he's going to pull out? Right. <laughs> but then like literally, I talked about it on the show before. I'm like, I'm waiting to go on. And I'm like, I'm pretty transparent with, you know, yeah. I talk about my shit all the time. And I'm waiting to go on his show, and I see the monitor like he's on a break. Yeah, and he does—he's not wearing his sunglasses, so I lucked out because of that because I could see his yeah. eyes. And he was just seated. He was you are seated in a weird way where you kind of can't really well, see they, him they, that they, well they, in the show. Well, you went on; you've been on. Yeah, before. I went on a few times. And yeah. they just put the earphone. He's talking to you before you even sit down. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, but like I'm watching the monitor in the room, and he's just sitting there eating cantaloupe, and I'm like, yeah. "That's just an old Jew eating melon." He's just a nice guy uh, eating some melon. Yeah. yeah, right. And I'm like, "He's just, just eating melon." How bad is it? He was demystified right then. It was. And he came at me with like, so you're sort of a jealous uh, dick, uh, yeah. right? And I'm like, that's it? That's what I'm, that's yeah. what you got? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we, we've established that. <laughs> that's my whole thing. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's easy. So I guess we got to talk about, um, the, you, you're in the food business as well? I'm, I'm, I'm getting out. He sold it. I'm, I'm selling it. Wait, now, when did you get, you have a, a poutine truck? I had a, I had a poutine food truck. And, did, was uh, this a business venture? Yeah, yeah. I just thought that people in America would really like that food, and I realized a food truck isn't a huge investment. So me and my friend Tom gave it a shot, and it was working pretty well, but I kind of think I have to concentrate on the movie stuff. <laughs> at, Not the at this juncture. And then she had a child, and we're, we're getting out of the poutine game. Yeah, but did you sell? Were you able to sell? Uh, we're, we're trying to make a deal with a guy right now. We're just selling it. Where do you get in, your cheese in curd in America? Wisconsin. They send them in frozen or what? Yeah, you can't really ship cheese curds from Canada that easily. Right. Uh, you get a There's big an frozen embargo, bag. I believe. Yes, yeah. the, the great cheese embargo of 1998. <laughs> so you get frozen cheese curd from Wisconsin. Then some nice hot fries. Yeah. Deeply fried. It was good poutine. Some yeah. Hot, hot gravy. It was really good poutine. I liked him opening the food truck. What, like what kind of, did you make the gravy? 
Yeah, yeah, we had like four different gravies. We bastardized it for America. So we made one called like the All-American and we used white sausage gravy. Oh, yeah. We used tater tots instead of fries. Wow. And now, awesome. now that I'm getting out of the game, people should start using tater tots. Yeah. They Fre- hold the shit better. Fresh tater tots. Did you use fresh fries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, oh, you- don't you dare imply I didn't use the freshest of fries. <laughs> <laughs> Double fried. No, because I eat poutine in uh, Montreal. Oh, yeah. There's a place that sells all different kinds. You know that place that's uh, over by the bagel place? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name, but I just went there. Yeah, it's like open until like 2 or 3 there. in the morning. Bonk. Yeah, I think you're close. I am close. Bonk. Bar. Yeah, bon, yeah. Bonqui. Bon. Yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably saying some extremely offensive word. In yeah. right now. <laughs> Go for but they got all the different kinds. You get it with sausage and peppers. Yeah. And but I always like the plain. Straight the up. End. Just straight up. Straight poot. up. That's what you grew up eating when you were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have much in Vancouver. No, well, they actually. do now. It was in college. That's but when we were, were kids, they didn't have it in Vancouver. I went to University of Montreal, though, and it was just every night. Right. Yeah, I, I like it. It's good shit. It's yeah, good it's shit. good shit. I, I don't know if it ever really took off here, though. It's starting to right now. Like, a lot of stores sell it animal. Maybe you should buy another truck instead of get rid of the truck. <laughs> we discussed a sex toy truck, just converting it to that. A sex toy do, truck? Do bachelorette parties. It doesn't rot sex toys. That's yeah, the, I know. That's the yeah. thing about it. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also not something everyone can enjoy. Bachelorette parties. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, give them their dick hats. <laughs> got plenty of dick hats. Who needs a dick hat? Everyone's having a bachelor party somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're all going to comedy clubs, ruining shows. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for talking, fellas. Best of luck with the movie. Thank you so all much, right, man. man. I really appreciate it. Yep. Have a good one. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Shalom. I hope you enjoyed that. It was fun. Uh, it was just a freewheeling conversation. Nothing too deep, too dark. Wow, look out. I just shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com. Uh, tonight is Monday. Tomorrow night I will be in Washington, D.C. doing a book event at 6 and I at the synagogue. Hello. Uh, but it's a performance space. And then on uh, Wednesday, what's that, the 12th, I'll be, uh, where am I going to be? I'm going to be at the Barnes & Noble in Union Square in New York. And on the 13th, I'll be at the, at the Summer Reading Series in Bryant Park in New York. And on the, uh, where does that put us? The uh, 14th, I will be, I believe, if I'm, yeah, I think so, at the Brattle Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Jews, go to WTF Pod for all your WTF Pod needs. Get on the mailing list. Do the stuff. Do whatever you need to do. Oh, my God, I'm nervous about playing tonight. I sounded pretty good, though. Restrung the guitar yesterday, so they're not, they're staying in tune. Should be alright. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I am fucking... I had no idea my life would be this. It's amazing. I have to make sure I know that it's amazing. (sighs) Boomer lives!